The prophet Isaiah was caught up into a heavenly worship experience. He saw the Lord Almighty high and lifted up, seated on his throne. He witnessed angels worshiping the Lord in his temple. He heard them calling out to one another about the holiness of God. As a result, the whole place shook and the temple filled with smoke. The experience crushed Isaiah before God called him. Woe to me, he cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Before blessing comes brokenness, before calling comes crushing. And woe to me always comes before, here am I, Lord, send me. I'm Ron Jones, and this is something good. If you want to strengthen your body, you've got to put in the work. You've got to push yourself, break down the muscles so that they can repair themselves and become bigger and stronger. So it is in worship, building spiritual muscle. On today's Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Hello, thanks for stopping by. Like our physical muscles, our worship muscle increases in strength when we become broken. Broken enough in our spirit that it leads to repentance. Ron explains this concept of worship next as he continues his teaching series, True Worship. Stay with us or drop by somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. You can also subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, or wherever you get yours. From Isaiah chapter 6, here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, The Ruined Worshipper. I'm reading this morning from Isaiah chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. According to the physiological society, physiology is the science of life. It is the branch of biology that aims to understand the mechanisms of living things. Now, needless to say, physiology is complicated, at least it is to me. I hold a doctor of ministry, not a doctor of medicine, so I do not presume to be a, an MD this morning, but I, I learned this week that there are some things about physiology that help us uh, learn about worship that I just want to briefly share with you. 
physiology helps us understand, for example, how men build bigger muscles and women tone their muscles when we go to the gym and lift weights. How practical can it get, right? Uh, the physiology of muscle growth, I learned, boils down to three things, muscle tension, muscle damage, and metabolic stress. Let me put it in layman's terms to you. When you go to the gym and you work out with those weights, and some of you are looking at me like, I, I made a New Year's resolution, but, you know, it's February now, and, well, we're not back in the gym. Don't mean to heap any guilt on anybody, right? Myself included. But when we go to the gym and we lift those weights, and the next day our muscles are sore, we hurt. That's a good thing, physiologically speaking. That's the way it's supposed to be. And here's why. According to physiologists, the tissue you damaged by lifting weights caused a release of inflammatory molecules and immune system cells that activate satellite cells to jump into action. <laughs> I know, that just went right over my head too. In other words, your body is repairing and rebuilding your broken muscle fibers that you, you broke and stretched while you were lifting weights. And the net result is hopefully bigger and more toned muscles. That's the physiology of what we do in the gym. Now, according to physiologists, following your workout, the next 24 to 48 hours is critical because proper diet and rest will actually aid in the rebuilding of your muscles. So much for the physiology lesson this morning. Uh, I believe that what's true in physiology is also true spiritually. The psalmist says it this way as it relates to worship. The sacrifices of God, are you ready for this? are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite spirit, O God, you will not despise. Just like to tone your muscles and to build bigger muscles, you got to break them down. No pain, no gain, right? So it is in, uh, in worship. Uh, there's something about our, our worship muscle that grows when it's preceded by uh, brokenness, a brokenness that leads to repentance. Let me say it this way. The brokenness of spirit that leads to repentance is an important, if not an essential way to build your worship muscle. And, and sometimes it's the only way that God can prepare us for a new season of growth in our lives. It comes through brokenness a brokenness that leads to repentance. Now, Isaiah chapter 6 that I read just a moment ago introduces us to the ruined worshiper. His name is Isaiah. We could also call him the broken worshiper. And let me just say on the front end, God is preparing Isaiah for a new season of growth. He, he, he's, he's preparing to call him and to send him out. And in the process, Isaiah is caught up into this uh, heavenly worship experience. I read it just a few minutes ago. To many of us, it's a familiar passage of Scripture. We sing the hymn, Holy, 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 in the church, and we've been singing it for hundreds of years since it was written. And, and it comes from this passage primarily, where Isaiah is caught up into this heavenly worship experience 
a worship experience that is pure and uncontaminated and unadulterated. And, and he is caught up into this worship service, and he hears the angels call out to one another and sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the worship is so pure and so uncontaminated and so real that he says the foundations began to shake in the presence of the Lord, and the smoke filled the room. It's an awesome awesome worship experience. Um, the Apostle John gives us a, a similar glimpse to what worship is like in heaven in Revelation chapters 4 and 5. The book of Revelation, of course, is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It reveals uh, the mysteries of the apocalypse, as I like to say, the last days of planet earth leading up to the return of Jesus Christ. And in chapters 4 and 5, John catches a glimpse of what worship in heaven looks like. While all this calamity is happening on planet earth from uh, chapters 6 and forward that he's going to reveal in the apocalypse, he, he begins with a, a picture of what worship is like in heaven. And I won't go into the details there. You can read it for yourself. But again, John uh, records the words of the angels who sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. John's primary purpose in giving us that glimpse into a heavenly worship experience is to describe what he saw. Isaiah's primary uh, purpose in writing this down in Isaiah chapter 6 is to describe how he responded to it. And uh, that's important for us to, to remember. We would all like a little bit of heaven to enter into our earthly worship experiences, wouldn't we? whether it's a corporate worship experience like this or a private worship experience that you might have had this week, we'd all like a little bit of heaven uh, to show up in those times. But what would it be like for us to show up in heaven? Uh, what, what would it be like for us to experience pure, unadulterated, uncontaminated worship in the presence of a holy God? We would love to experience that just like Isaiah did. But having said that, are you prepared for how it will change you? Are, it, are you prepared for how it will ruin you in a good way and prepare you for a new season of growth and a calling that God has in your life? That's what I want us to talk about this morning. I see Isaiah uh, in this heavenly worship experience, three things happening to him. First, he's crushed. He's crushed in his spirit. Go back to verse 5. He says, woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. I go back to the beginning of verse 5 there and just circle that word woe, W-O-E. It's a, a word that is used often in the pages of Scripture. It literally means a condition of deep suffering or misfortune, affliction or grief. Sometimes it refers to a cry of lament, a word of warning or judgment. In fact, Jesus used this word seven times in Matthew chapter 23 when he rebuked the Pharisees for turning worship and a relationship with God into something that it was not. And he says, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you religious leaders. It was a, a word of warning and a judgment that came from Jesus. Even in John's uh, apocalypse, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the word woe appears several times as um, 
the judgment of God falls upon the earth during the last days of planet earth, uh, that time in Bible prophecy known as the tribulation, the seven years of Jacob's trouble uh, that is future in Bible prophecy, one woe after another after another is proclaimed in the book of Revelation. But here in in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah says, woe to me. I mean, it's a a condition of suffering. It's an affliction that has come upon him. It's a cry of lament and understanding that he's facing, if not the judgment of God, the conviction of his sin, the strong conviction of his sin that crushes, crushes his spirit. Don't go away. We're only about halfway through today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Today's teaching is part of Ron's series, True Worship. Visit our updated website, somethinggoodradio.org, for more information on this series or to hear any of Ron's daily messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, check out something new from Dr. Ron Jones we're calling Something Good Television. SGTV is a weekly broadcast featuring Ron's Bible teaching ministry. If you're looking for Bible teaching for everyday life, Something Good Television is the place to go. Stop by to check out the sample episodes at somethinggoodradio.org. When Isaiah got a glimpse of the risen Christ, he was better able to see his own fallen condition, the deep and hidden sins of the heart that we all too often fail to notice. Here's Dr. Ron Jones with the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, The Ruined Worshiper. But uh, Isaiah's woe in chapter 6 must be understood in light of several woes leading up to chapter 6. Back in chapter 5, there are five woes. Remember, Isaiah is a prophet uh, that is speaking out to the nation of Israel who has drifted far, far away from her covenant relationship with God. And certain impending judgment is coming against them. I won't read all five of them, but here's a sampling. Like in Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 11, Woe to those who rise early in the morning, that they may run after strong drink, who tarry late into the evening as wine inflames them. Verse 21, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. How about the verses that follow that, verses 22 and 23? Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and valiant men and mixing strong drink, who acquit the guilty for a bribe and deprive the innocent of his right. Uh, This is a description of a nation that is corrupt to the core. And because of their corruption, God is bringing his judgment against them. These five judgments fell heavily upon ancient Israel And they serve as a warning to any nation, even our nation, that strays away from God Almighty. But what's interesting here is that Isaiah turns the focus in chapter 6 on himself and to his own wretchedness when he came face to face with the holiness of God. He says, woe to me, not woe to them or woe to you. Isaiah is caught up into the holy presence of God. He's he's, he's fully understanding the corruption of the nation and the society in which he lives, but he lays that aside for a moment. And what he sees 
in the nation in which he lives and what he hears coming from the lips of those corrupt people, he sees in his own life and he hears from his own lips and he says, woe is me, woe to me, uh, for I am ruined, I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people uh, of unclean lips. Rather than pointing a judgmental finger at them, he listened and found his own life and lips equally vile. You know, you and I live in a corrupt world. And sometimes we're so much a part of the world, we don't understand just how corrupt our world is until we have a reminder like we did last week at the Super Bowl halftime show. Once again, proved the case that we live in a corrupt society. Uh, maybe you didn't watch it, but you couldn't miss the response from parents and religious leaders across the country who expressed their outrage and indignation at the NFL for another raunchy, sexually explicit halftime show on primetime television. The Reverend Franklin Graham said, and I quote, I don't expect the world to act like the church, but our country has had a sense of moral decency on primetime television in order to protect children, and we see that disappearing before our eyes. This exhibition was Pepsi and the NFL showing young girls that the sexual exploitation of women is okay. Now, I share uh, Reverend Graham's conviction. However, and I'm not the only one asking this question, <laughs> why are we so surprised at the NFL? They've been doing this for years and calling it entertainment. And our society takes it in as entertainment. Perhaps we in the church, though, should learn something from Isaiah's response 2,500 years ago when he caught a glimpse of the corrupt world in which he lived. He says, I live among people of corrupt lips. Time and time again, he heard vile, dishonoring words spoken about God and about others in his society. But could we use this outrage at the NFL as an opportunity to clean up our own act? Doesn't the Bible say judgment begins with the household of God? Isaiah was caught up into this heavenly worship experience, and he said, woe to me. He saw the corruption around him, but he also experienced the holiness of God. And he says, before I point the finger of judgment at somebody else, I got to clean up my own act here. Like Isaiah, perhaps what the church needs today is a fresh glimpse of the holiness of God. And when that happens, be prepared for it to first crush and convict you of your own sin, just as it did Isaiah 2,500 years ago. I believe when we worship God in spirit and in truth, sometimes the Spirit of God will do exactly what Jesus said He would do. Convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. It's the Holy Spirit's job to do that. We often sing a song, come Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. He's even welcome and has the right to bring conviction of sin to us. And I just want to suggest to you, before God will take us on a journey into a brand new season of growth in your life or in the life of our church, 
it begins like Isaiah began, where, where brokenness leads to repentance and a, and a fresh new relationship with the Lord. Matt Redman is one of today's most respected worship leaders and writers, and we sing many of uh, Redmond's worship songs here. He was reflecting on Isaiah chapter 6 and Isaiah's experience in the holy presence of God when he wrote, of course there's a time in worship to be joyful, content, even comfortable, but there also comes a time when God will make us distinctly uncomfortable. He puts us under the spotlight of His holiness where we begin to search our hearts even more closely. He calls it God's tough love, often severe, though always an act of kindness and never cruelty. Thanks for being here for today's Something Good Radio message, The Ruined Worshipper. And we'll pick it up right here tomorrow when Ron continues his teaching series, True Worship. Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. If you've been with us for a while, if you're a regular listener and God is using this broadcast in your life, I want to speak directly to you. When you first tuned in or streamed something good, did you know that other people paid to air that program? We call them our ministry partners. They have people just like you in mind when they donate monthly to something good, which is a 100% listener-supported ministry. Now that you're a regular listener, will you do the same? Will you help us share something good with someone else? We created the 828 Club for people who choose to partner with this ministry through prayer and monthly financial support. It's based on Romans 828, which in the message says, every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider joining the 828 Club today by giving $28 or more per month to share something good with someone else. And when you do, we'll send you some resources to help you grow in your relationship with God. It's our way of saying thanks for your partnership in this gospel ministry. So please join the 828 Club today. Here's Brian with all the details. Partnership is essential in order for the body of Christ to fulfill the Great Commission. It always has been. Today, Ron wants to invite you to join him in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ through the Something Good radio broadcast. When you partner with us, we'll start by sending you a copy of Ron's book, Mysteries of the Afterlife, Exploring Its Amazing Secrets. Other 828 Club benefits will arrive throughout the year. To join the 828 Club today, look for Something Good Partners at somethinggoodradio.org. Again, that's somethinggoodradio.org. Or call us, 757-276-1099. If you can't become a partner but would like to make a donation to Something Good Radio today, we'll be happy to send you the complete audio download of the series you're hearing now, True Worship. Make a donation online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. How many of you want to be useful to the master for every good work that he has for you? You and I have a work to do in cleansing ourselves. In partnership with the Holy Spirit who is sanctifying us, we have to be willing for him to convict us of our sin, 
on a regular basis, anytime we're out of step or out of stride with the Holy Spirit of God, and that conviction of sin comes, we confess, we receive cleansing, renewed fellowship, and renewed usefulness to the Master. See, Isaiah is learning all of this in a heavenly worship experience. And he goes through this process as a ruined uh, worshiper. He's crushed. He's cleansed. There's confession in there. All in preparation for a brand new calling. That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, The Ruined Worshiper. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. God bless and thanks for listening.